Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. Our listeners can save 10% off of all Ticket King's already low prices on Packers tickets by using the code PT10 when they order at theticketking.com. Offer expires August 31st. Again, that is PT10. That's the code you want to enter at checkout to get 10% off your Packers tickets. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers. Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Well, there is no love lost for Green Bay football in uh, the last few days. A little bit of a stinker against the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, Gil, you and I were talking about this. And, you know, when we gave our score predictions last week, I think neither of us felt super confident in them. But one thing is for sure, we did not have enough information yet because we thought we would have at least one of our tackles playing. Having zero of our uh, starter starting tackles out there um, and then further finding out that the hapless Jake Hansen was going to be starting at right guard. Uh, that sure would have changed my score prediction. And I, I would not have picked the Packers to win had I known that. And I know that you felt uh, similarly. Yeah. Once, uh, once I knew neither Bakhtiari nor Jenkins were, were going to play, my confidence in the outcome went down significantly uh, I hated to be right about that, but uh, look, uh, un- unfortunately, and and you know the other thing is, I think that we have now seen that I think Matt Lafleur needs to change his philosophy during the preseason a little bit uh, because this team, for the second year in a row, just did not look mentally or physically sharp after the starters or most of the starters didn't play a down in preseason. Uh, I I think I certainly agree that something needs to change, but I I do think it's worth noting that the guys who didn't play in preseason looked pretty good out there. And the guys who uh, did play in the preseason, looking at you entire starting offensive line, they are the guys who sucked. You know, if you look at look, who had good days and bad days, it's it's hard to find somebody who had a bad day who also uh, did not play in the preseason. It, it, to me, it was wow. a little bit of a confirmation of the guys who got reps in the preseason really needed those reps because even with those reps, they still were not where they needed to be. So I I do agree that something needs to change. What needs to change? Not entirely sure. Uh, I think well, the, the one guy you could maybe point to that kind of fits that a little bit would be Aaron Rodgers. But I overall 
didn't have a ton of problems with the way he played. I think that there are there were some moments where I was frustrated with him, but when the offensive line was giving him like a half a second to throw every time, it, I, I found some grace in my heart to give him. I'll, I'll put it that way. I, I gave him some. You know, you you mentioned players who didn't play in preseason who you know you said they look fine. The two guys who didn't see much action, if any, that really struggled to me was Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. Yeah. And, you know, Savage didn't play largely because of the injury he suffered at family night. Uh, But the two safeties did a very poor job of picking players up when they were coming across the field into their zones, determining, you know, when the new defender should be picking them up. And that cost them dearly against Justin Jefferson. Uh, To me, having some of those defensive backs on the field to coordinate just a little bit and get a little more comfortable would have been a big help against Justin Jefferson. And unfortunately for the second year in a row, week one looked more like preseason week four than it did regular season week one. And that is upsetting. Here's a little bit of context for those safeties, and they certainly had uh, very, very bad days. This is actually the lowest PFF grade of Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos's careers. Quite poor performances. Uh, Worth noting, the Packers were doubling Justin Jefferson virtually every play, and the safeties were a big part of that. And I'm not trying to give them an excuse, but I think that this is what caused a lot of the big struggles they were having uh, throughout the day. Should they have been able to execute that game plan? Yes, Uh, but they were being asked to do a lot. Uh, They were not up to the task. I think that you're right that there are some things that they could have done, at least in practice, maybe in a preseason game, to kind of set them up for that a little bit. It would have been nice Also, I think Rasul Douglas didn't have a very good day. If you had uh, those three guys working with Stokes and Jair and get some of that communication down pat, get these guys a little bit more used to running together. I know they do it in practice, but clearly some of the chemistry was lacking there, and I'm really hoping to see that cleaned up in week two. Um, We are going to get into our Bears preview, but before we do that, want to highlight for you the results of our brainstorming gill and i gill and i put our noggins together which is always a terrible idea and (laughs) we decided what we want to do differently for our score prediction game than we did last year because last year our frustration was that by the end of the season there were i forget maybe two or three games where um we had picked different winners for the games and we were in the situations where somebody would uh, pick the wrong winner for a game but their their points were really close and therefore they were actually uh, gaining ground on the other guy who had picked the correct winner Um, and so the guy who had the correct winner would fall behind the score so Gil and I decided what we want to do we are um, going to uh, play this as though we were betting on the Packers. Now I live in the uh, great Lake state of Michigan where sports betting is not currently legal. Um, and I don't have a ton of experience with this, but 
you'll walk me through some of the terminology so I know exactly what to say when I'm pitching to you that I think uh, the final outcome in the Packers-Vikings game is going to be 24-21 Packers because I think that we're going to have an offensive line. Not leave me. Anyway, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to make our picks uh, for the the point spread and the over-under. Is that correct, Gil? That is correct. And so the most number of, of uh, points that Gil or I can earn against each other in a given week is two. So you get a point for uh, being correct with the uh, points and a point for getting for being correct on the over and under. So last week, Gil and I each received one point because we both bet the under on the game, uh, but we both had the wrong outcome. So one point a piece. We are tied. This is a this is a uh, get right game, not only for Gil and myself, but also for the Packers. Uh, so we're going to get into our game preview now. But first, a word from our sponsors. Take it away, Gil. All right. Well, before we continue, I want to tell you about our new partner, Athletic Greens. We were recently introduced to their new health supplement, AG1. Well, what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all these things. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good, and it costs you less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Everybody said they couldn't do it. Everybody said the Bears couldn't beat the 49ers. And uh, Bears fans are walking around with their chest puffed out because they did, in fact, beat the 49ers. And to... The Bears fans out there, I say, you earned it. Congratulations. Good job. Go ahead. Be proud of your team. Puff out your chest. You are ahead of the Packers in the NFC North uh, standings. Well done. You're not going to win this game. Um, And the Bears played a horrible game against the 49ers. I'm not here. Hear me out here. I am not saying that the Bears didn't really win not saying they don't deserve a win. I'm saying that the way they played against the 49ers is not going to beat teams this year. That this was a horrific uh performance defensively, a, a really an embarrassing performance offensively. The 49ers gave this game away. So, yes, be happy that you won and I'm happy that you handed a loss to the 49ers. Hopefully that keeps them out of the playoffs. We don't have to face them. Thank you for that. (laughs) I am not one bit afraid, even without our tackles of playing the bears 
this Sunday night. Well, they also got a little assist from monsoon-like weather conditions. I, I wonder what the score of that game would have been if it were 65 degrees and sunny out there. Uh, but look, both teams had to deal with the weather. Uh, it's not an excuse. The The Bears won the football game and uh, managed to overcome the weather a little bit better than the 49ers did. But boy, that was a tough game to watch. It was really bad. Uh, Justin Fields, in particular, had a really, 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 really bad day. Uh, much worse, in fact, than the day that Trey Lance had. <sighs> Let's bust out some of these numbers here. Justin Fields, when he was not under pressure, completed 50% of his passes. He had a quarterback rating of 90.3, which was the 22nd best quarterback rating um, of the week out of 33 quarterbacks who played his average time to throw was 3.64 seconds. That was dead last. His turnover worthy play percentage was truly incredible. It was uh 12 and a half percent. He had 17 throws, three turnover worthy plays. The 49ers defenders dropped two of them. He had zero big time throws. And uh, only 58% of his passes on the day were graded as catchable. Yeah. You can blame the rain if you want to, but this was a horrific performance by Justin Fields. And the 49ers defense absolutely failed to capitalize on what he did. And then the 49ers offense also failed to capitalize on anything. And no matter what you think of the Packers offense, I think they're going to show up looking a lot more prepared this week and take advantage of these opportunities that the Bears are going to gift wrap them. That's that's my opinion. I I agree. I especially after their struggles last week against Cousins and Jefferson and the Vikings, I don't see the Packers defense allowing Justin Fields to beat them with his arm. Now a bigger concern for me is the Packers have traditionally struggled against mobile quarterbacks who can extend plays, who can, you know, be under pressure on third and 12 and run for 15 or 18 yards. I am hoping that Justin Fields doesn't create big plays with his legs, but I'm more concerned about him beating the Packers running the ball than I am about him beating the Packers defense throwing the football. Let's talk about blocking. The offensive line uh, was a problem for the Bears. Now, Tevin Jenkins did a good job at right guard. Larry Borum did a right uh, a good job at right tackle. Uh, the other three guys underperformed uh, pretty significantly. If you're looking at uh, overall pressures on the day, Braxton Jones at left tackle gave up three pressures, two sacks, a hurry. Uh, really, really not good um, at all. And then Cody White here also didn't do a good job. Um, if you're looking at uh, true pass sets, which I find interesting, and, and we'll look at the Packers in a second because, yeah, you know, it's bad. Jake Hansen, yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll just say it. Jake Hansen in true pass sets had a zero pass blocking grade. Yep. So that's bad. And uh, I sure hope Jake Hansen is not out there this week. He has no right to be. Uh, I don't think he will be. Cody Whitehair had an 18.6 uh, pass uh, pass protection grade in 
uh, true pass sets. And I would love to make fun of that for, for Jake Hansen. So thank you, Jake and Royce Newman. Well, Royce Newman. All right, let me switch here and look. So Royce Newman was a 49 in true pass sets. Uh, overall, he was a 47 yeah. uh, as a pass blocker. He had a bad day as well. I think you can live with Royce Newman at right guard. You can't live with Jake Hansen at right guard. That That's not happening. And then Royce Newman at tackle. It wasn't good enough. That's for sure. Um, right. Could he be better this week? I, I think that. I think if, if the coaches feel that he can do a better job this week at right tackle, I'm not going to panic if he starts at right tackle again, but I will panic if Jake Hansen is out there. Um, maybe I would panic if Royce was out there at right tackle because like we said, that means there's no Elton Jenkins and no David Bakhtiari. And I don't think either of those guys are going to play. I don't, but yeah. Zach Tom, I think should get the start at right guard over Jake Hansen. Unless he has to start at left guard. Well, all right, there is that. So maybe Zach Tom at left guard, Royce Newman at, at uh, right guard. You could live with that. And then who's the right tackle? Yeah, so I I don't know. And, and the fact that they uh, promoted Caleb Jones to the active roster shows you their concerns about tackle. Uh, I saw somebody... Um, posing the idea what if we start Caleb Jones at right tackle and just run the ball all day you know kind of a tongue-in-cheek proposition but yeah it, it might turn out better than last week did <laughs> put it that it way. might it might I I I like Caleb Jones but I see him much ready. more as a potential yeah guy to develop he in in some ways to me is Yash 2.0, where it yeah, may take sure. two or three years before he's ready to contribute, but when he gets the chance, if he gets the right coaching and puts the work in, he has the ability and the potential to become a solid offensive tackle in this league based on his measurables and his incredible size. But boy, does he need work on his footwork and his technique. Uh, right about now, you're kind of wishing that Sean Ryan was a little bit further along, but yeah. he's drafted in the third round and therefore has the Packers third round curse on him. Uh, yeah. So he maybe will never play for us. You just never know. I'm a little bit facetious here, but it is I interesting. Hope. The Packers currently have 11 offensive linemen on the roster. And we're struggling to find five who can go out there. So um, I'm just looking if Runyon can't go. And uh, he's currently in concussion protocol. Right. I mean, I'm not putting Jake Hansen out there. I'm not putting Rasheed Walker or uh, Caleb Jones out there. So you're looking at Rasheed Walker and Sean Ryan as one of those guys has to step up. Or it's I'm not filled Jake with Hansen, confidence Caleb from Jones either one of them at this point. If Bakhtiari Jenkins and Runyon all can't go, right? I mean, yeah. that leaves us with four guys. Sean Ryan. Jake Hansen, Rashid Walker, and Caleb Jones. One of those four has to be out there if we can't have yeah. those top three. So it's not a pretty sight. Um, and I just would vote anything but Jake Hansen. <laughs> just because <laughs> just because we saw what he can do, and it was literally a zero. You cannot it, get worse than he was. You can't. It's a zero. It, so it can was we get not a pretty game? Can we get somebody who's a two out of a hundred? That's better than the zero that we got out of Jake I, Hansen. Anyways. Yeah. 
that's for the coaches to figure out. Uh, that's why it's not, it's not my headache, even though I have a podcast about it. Uh, I don't have to make that decision and uh, I don't envy them. Uh, but looking back at the bears, uh, thought it'd be interesting to, to check in on Lucas Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas Patrick played 22 snaps total. Uh, he didn't do horrible. He had a 71 pass blocking grade. Uh, his run blocking was a 62. So I, I think that puts him in, in pretty decent company right there. Um, overall, uh, I'm not sure why he played so few snaps. You know, you look at, uh, Cody Whitehair, Braxton Jones, Sam Mustafer, Larry Borum, those four guys played 34 snaps. And then you had, uh, Tevin Jenkins and Lucas Patrick splitting snaps at right guard. And I just don't really understand that personally, but well, ju- just I because Lucas Patrick and, and Tevin Jenkins were two of the three best offensive linemen of the day. Why do you have those two guys splitting reps with each other? Why don't you just go ahead and boot one of the uh, three guys who, you know, kind of crap the bed, <laughs> put them on the bench. Well, some, sometimes it's a left side versus right side situation where, you know, guys are not capable of playing both sides that easily. Uh, but Lucas Patrick could- played left and right guard for us. Yes, but only but Patrick can, but I'm maybe some of the other players on the Bears offensive line are less able to do well, that. But, like Okay, so so take Cody Whitehair, right. put him on the bench and put well, that, Patrick there. That that's again how they did in preseason to set up the week one matchups is a is a different issue. Um but I, I'm surprised Lucas Patrick did not get or, or earn a starting job. Yes, I am. Surprised. Let me just say Cody Whitehair was the worst offensive. Uh, well, he was the worst interior offensive lineman. Braxton Jones was by far the worst, but Cody Whitehair was the worst interior guy. Right. Just put Lucas Patrick there. Or if you know what, if Cody Whitehair has, uh, has pictures of uh, Matt Eberflus, then swap out Sam Mustaver Cause, because Lucas Patrick can play any of those three interior spots there. Um, yes. The receivers, everybody's interested in how the receivers did. Byron Pringle randomly uh, had an elite day. We had one guy in offense and one guy in defense who had elite days. Byron Pringle, as a slot uh, slot receiver, just went off. I'm not expecting him to repeat that, but maybe he does. Maybe secretly he's been elite this whole time, and he can do it two weeks in a row. Uh, The other guy who had an elite grade was uh, cornerback Jalen Johnson. Uh, Mainly... (laughs) was on the back of a fantastic uh, run defense grade for him. But he 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 played pretty well. I guess it, it wasn't elite. It was uh, very good. He had an elite run defense grade and a very good uh, overall grade. His coverage grade was just a 72. His run defense grade was a 91. So you can see the disparity there. But still, yeah. 72 from Jalen Johnson uh, in coverage. Nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Eddie Jackson did okay, uh, in coverage as well. He had an 84, but his run defense was a 45 and as a safety, I need to see better run defense from you there than I do from a cornerback, the defense everywhere else, aside from those two guys was like absolute bottom of the barrel, just horrific grades across the board. It was not pretty. Now, question Pringle took 10 snaps in this game on offense, had oh, one catch 
for 22 yards. How does that get him an elite grade? He didn't contribute a heck of a lot. Sir, do not question the grades. I'm telling you that the Chicago Bear is elite, and this is what the Chicago Bears fans are going to be telling you as well. All right. It may have just been 10 plays and one reception, but gosh darn it, that was an elite reception. It was an elite reception. He had two targets, one catch, and that got him an elite grade in 10 plays. Uh, I, that doesn't frighten me. How's that for uh, my, my answer to that? Wait, there's somebody on the Bears who does frighten you? Uh, no, but there are players <laughs> on the Bears that concern me heading into okay. this matchup. Okay. Uh, here's the good news for Chicago. Zero drops. We're not going to talk about uh, Green Bay's drops, but uh, zero no. drops for Chicago. David Montgomery was the most targeted player. He had four targets, three receptions. He had 24 yards, zero touchdowns. Um, he had a really, really bad day as a running back. He, uh, out of the 53 running backs who played any snaps last week, David Montgomery had the 53rd best grade. Dude was really, really, really not good. Um, so he, uh, let me see here. And then uh, as a runner, let me switch this back over. As a runner. Yeah, that average David Montgomery had one and a half yards per attempt. Yep. And that's Long on run six. Attempts. Yeah. Khalil Herbert, who I have for a long time been saying is a much more talented running back than David Montgomery. He had nine attempts. He uh, picked up 45 yards. That's five yards per carry. He had a touchdown. Uh, he did okay across the board. I'm not sure what argument you could make that uh, Khalil Herbert shouldn't get more carries next this, this coming week than David Montgomery because I don't know what else Montgomery does offer. Okay. Yes. He was the most targeted um, player, but he wasn't the most productive receiving player. And he was a, a really putrid blocker. Khalil yeah. Herbert did a much better job blocking than Montgomery did. Yeah. I mean, Montgomery's probably the better receiver out of the backfield overall, but to me, it would make more sense to make him almost the third down back. Yeah, I mean, if that, yeah, I, I don't know. He's, yeah, maybe. And and he's he's been good at times in the past. So, no, we're not yeah. going to give up on him uh, on the back of just one game. But it was a pretty putrid game. Well, especially a game played in those weather conditions where, you know, the, it's funny when, when the, when the surface is that wet, there were always runners who played really well on a muddy track, Edgar Bennett, when he was with the Packers was always, you know, good when it was really rainy out, you could give him the ball 25 times and know you'll get your hundred yards. And, and he was a mutter for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, and then there are certain guys who maybe rely on cutbacks and, and speed a little bit more where the speed is neutralized by the wet field. And I think Montgomery probably fits more into that category. Well, Montgomery would be the only non-mutter in the game then because Clear Herbert had five yards per carry, and then Elijah Mitchell for the 49ers had 6.8 yards per carry. Right. David Montgomery was the only guy who managed to be slowed down by the mud. Uh, and you would think, I, I would think anyways, that the Bears would have leaned heavily into the run game uh, given the conditions, uh, given the fact that their receivers were kind of slipping and sliding a bit. 
I would have leaned into the run game and uh, handed the ball off to Khalil Herbert. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what they try and do this week. I thought the Packers run defense was pretty good against Minnesota, which is a team that runs the ball quite well. Uh, Alexander Madison uh, carved him up a little bit a couple of times, but uh, Dalvin Cook was was really limited. And uh, even Madison, you know, d- didn't do uh, a whole heck of a lot consistently against the Packers. I thought they did a pretty good job uh, trying to stop the run and seemed like uh, a lot of the time when they did have trouble with Madison, one of the things you were seeing was uh, the lethal Justin Jefferson stretching that defense and forcing them to divert more safety and linebacker help toward uh, defending the pass, which left uh, a little bit more room to run for the backs. Well, I, I think, you know, it's ironic that the Packers, I think their run defense did a pretty good job for the first three quarters or so. But in the fourth quarter, when we knew that the Vikings were going to run and try to keep the Packers offense off the field and, and basically run their four minute offense, that that's when the defense struggled to stop them. And that was very frustrating late in the game. They also didn't care at that point. They They had given up. Well, that's even worse. But yeah. Looking at some individual matchups here, obviously uh, Justin Jefferson was elite no matter who you matched him up against. But I found it interesting looking at uh, when you had our linebackers in coverage. Uh, When Quay Walker was covering uh, tight end Johnny Munt, um, tight end Ben Ellefson, KJ Osborne, Adam Thielen, those guys, uh, those four guys, when covered by Quay Walker, had uh, poor uh, offensive grades. That was nice to see, especially from the rookie. Uh, Irv Smith uh, got matched up against Devondre Campbell quite a few times, and his grade when he was covered by Devondre was a 42. Uh, he was targeted twice, had zero receptions. Um I didn't highlight the uh, the the targets uh, for Quay Walker because those were all caught, but uh, for uh, minimal damage, uh, uh, the, the the worst you saw was 13 yards after the catch from Johnny Munt. Everybody else uh, pretty much was downed immediately. Uh, let's see here, Adrian Amos really, really, really struggled against Justin Jefferson, but the one time he was covering C.J. Ham uh, did a a good job, brought him down right away. Rasul Douglas struggled uh, again against Justin Jefferson um, did okay against Johnny Munt um, on the whole. Uh, the issues with Rasul Douglas seemed to be uh, communication and wrong place, wrong time type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably he had that uh, deep crossing route, uh, Justin Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen being covered by Jair and Rasul. They're in zone. Uh, Jair goes to hand, Jefferson off to Rasul and Rasul sticks with Adam Thielen. And so nobody's covering uh, Justin Jefferson disaster. (laughs) Uh, Darnell Savage. There was nothing positive to look at. Uh, He was pretty much only on Jeff, Justin Jefferson all day. You saw what Jefferson did. Uh, Jair locked down everybody that he was covering. Um, But overall, you know, when I read this off, everybody not named Justin Jefferson makes you feel pretty good. Um, uh, the Bears receivers are not Justin Jefferson. 
I think that uh, if you're looking at what Darnell Mooney did last year, uh, he finished the year as the 33rd highest graded wide receiver. So not a wide receiver one Uh, this past week against the 49ers. He finished up with the 81st best grade, which is kind of barely a wide receiver three. I know I'm not one, you know, shouldn't be one to talk as a uh, Packer fan, but I'm just saying going up against this uh, defensive back room, even with the way the safety struggled last week, still just does not give me much concern. Their wide receiver two was equanimous. Yep. Does that scare you at all? It shouldn't. Uh, he'll have a little extra incentive. Obviously he did score the only, you know, the offensive touchdown there, uh, pass wise for the bears. Um, but no EQ doesn't scare me per se, especially lined up against either Stokes or Douglas or Jair. He did have the, the one touchdown reception. He was targeted three times and only hauled in one catch. So even there, Still not much to look at the fact that that his one reception happened to be a touchdown. Well, okay, that's that's about what he ever did for the Packers. He would catch the odd random pass here or there that maybe happened to be, for example, a a fourth down conversion against the Cardinals. I think he caught a touchdown as well for us last year, but minimal uh, minimal receptions on the year uh, other than that. Yeah, not not overly concerned with the uh, receiving core at this point. No. If you are uh, the uh, Packers offense right here and you're trying Mm -hmm. to look for ways to capitalize on the types of mistakes that the Bears were making last week on on defense. uh, First of all, I think running the ball is going to have tremendous success. Uh, The entire uh, defensive line played horribly. The uh, two of the three linebackers also had horrific days. Uh, Roquan. And Morrow both had uh, putrid days. Matthew Adams came in for a bit and did okay in coverage, uh, not quite so well in run defense. The Packers running backs, I think, should feast. Yeah, I think that, you know, the Bears gave up 176 yards on the ground to the 49ers last week. And the Packers, unfortunately, got away from their running game way too quickly. In my mind, the two big running backs, your Aaron Jones and your A.J. Dillon, have to combine for at least 25 carries in this game because the Chicago run defense is vulnerable. And I think that, you know, those two players are your proven strengths on offense other than Aaron Rodgers. To me, you feed them. Uh, Matt LaFleur admitted he didn't give them enough touches in week one and it Mm -hmm. worked to the detriment of the team. You got to correct that. And this is a great opportunity to do that against a Bears defense that is vulnerable against the run. You had one missed tackle piece for Kyler Gordon, Roquan Smith, Kendall Vildor, and Al-Qadim Muhammad. Uh, Two missed tackles for Eddie Jackson and Nicholas Morrow. And three missed tackles for Jaquan Brisker. This should be a somewhat leaky defense. If you look at uh, pass rush, on the other hand, there were a decent number of pressures on the day. They did make life miserable for Trey Lance. You had uh, one pressure piece for Jaquan Brisker, Roquan Smith, Justin Jones, and Angela Blackson. Uh, two apiece for Armin Watts and Al-Qadim Muhammad. Armin Watts played okay. Uh, he had a 70 pass rush grade. That was one of the best on the team, which is sad for the team, but good for Armin Watts. 
<laughs> Dominique Robinson, a, I believe he's a fifth round rookie this year. And Robert Quinn each had three pressures. Robert Quinn had a really bad day in everything except for tackling. Uh, but he did manage to come free for three pressures um, on Trey Lance. Dominique Robinson, on the other hand, played quite well. He had an 86 overall grade. I forgot to mention him when I was talking about uh, how Jalen Johnson was the only one who had a, a good day. Dominique Robinson also had a good day. Travis Gibson had the most pressures on the day uh, with four. Never been a very good player. We'll see if yesterday was a fluke or if he's starting a new chapter uh, as a pass rusher. His run defense was uh, quite bad. Um, no missed tackles. He did have a stop, but he was kind of in the wrong place, wrong time, quite a few times uh, on the day. Not really uh, that impressive uh, of a performance. No, it, it wasn't. And I, again, I, I think this defense, and, and it's been a while since we've been able to say that about the Bears, but I think the Packers should be able to move the football pretty well against this Chicago defense. I think so, too. I think I headed it came into this year thinking that the Bears' offense was going to be better than the Bears' defense. Um, can't really say that uh, necessarily in week one. I think it's a little bit of a coin toss. Uh, certainly the points favor the offense, but uh, we'll have to see how things develop over the course of the year. One thing that you kind of can't get away from is just your – you know, uh, DNA <laughs> as an organization. Look, the Packers are always going to have good offenses and questionable defense and special teams. Bears are always going to find a way to put together uh, some sort of an impressive defense and struggle offensively, no matter who they bring in. The and they'll always be better running the ball than throwing the ball. It's hard to throw the ball when you don't have a quarterback. Well, their last Hall of Fame quarterback was Sid Luckman. He retired in 1950. Yeah, and all the respect to uh, Sid Luckman for his era, but if you go back and look at uh, what he did as a passer, it, it certainly doesn't hold up very well. Mitch Trubisky, uh, much better uh, passer uh, of the football than Sid Luckman. Uh, well, was, very uh, different era, though. Very, uh, obviously, very different. But 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 the point still stands that uh, Chicago has never really slung the ball around. No, not their mo. Let's talk about special teams. Uh, did you see anything uh, on special teams for the Packers that uh, you think is notable for, for this upcoming game? Notable for this upcoming game. Yeah, special teams did no harm uh, in, in, in this last game. And I will take that as progress. Am I ready to declare that this is the salvation of the team and now all of a sudden special teams is going to be elite? No. But uh, I, I think, you know, coverage teams were okay. There were no major penalties. They had the right number of players on the field most of the time. They, uh, they, did, they did have – there were two penalties and one was accepted. Yes, two penalties and one was accepted. But – you know, you didn't give up the, the long punt return or the long right. kick return. Uh, Amari Rogers was decisive about whether or not to field punts and kickoffs. Uh, he His one run back on a punt return was, what, 14 yards or 12 yards. So he, he was decisive. He went north-south right away. I was pleased about that. Uh, the, the one extra point, there was no problem on that. They didn't miss it or even attempt a field goal. 
Uh, O'Donnell's punts were good. I mean, again, there was nothing spectacular about the special Mm -hmm. teams, but there was nothing harmful about it, and that is substantial progress. We did play a lot of starters on special teams. Uh, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes, uh, Tyler Davis, Preston Smith, Josiah DeGuara, uh, Tipanaliai, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Jaron Reed. Uh, those are guys who had at least one, or sorry, who had more than one uh, rep on defense. Uh, Jonathan Garvin. Trying to see if I missed anybody. Chris Barnes uh, was out there. Uh, he had a pile of guys who had uh, just one uh, rep out there. Like Mercedes Mar- Lewis was out there for one. Um, right. Uh, Adrian Amos. I think I forgot to mention him. Dean Lowry. Uh most of those starters had pretty positive grades. If you look at guys who had really bad grades on defense, uh, Keyshawn Nixon, Jonathan Garvin, Chris Barnes, and Devondre Campbell. Devondre Campbell, I thought overall did not have a great day because I'm comparing him to who he was last year. And last year he was a phenomenal tackler. And on the day he was a pretty poor tackler. Uh, I, I didn't like seeing that because that was what made him so special last year was just if a guy got near him, boom, he was down. That was the end of the play every time last year. So kind of want to see him get back to who he was uh, again, kind of remember his identity uh, in this game. think he can do it. You know, he's going up against uh, some nasty, talented players last week. You know what? The, the Bears are the perfect get right game for uh, any individual player and for the team uh, as a whole, I think. I, I think so, too. I think this matchup is a lot more favorable. There, there, let, let, let me put it to you simply. There are no players on the Bears offense that even come close to concerning me the way that I was concerned about Justin Jefferson coming into last week's game. Oh, I mean, Justin is a top two wide receiver in, in, the, in football, I think. Certainly top yeah. three. Yeah. Yeah, and there's and nobody on the Bears offense that even comes close to giving me that level of concern. All right, time for us to talk uh, predictions. Uh, Gil, give me your thoughts on the outcome of this game. I think the Packers will control this game for most of the contest. I think the offense will run the ball more. They'll throw to the running backs more than they did in week one. And I think we will begin to see some chemistry start between Aaron Rodgers and Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. They're not going to be where we want them yet, but we're going to see the beginning of this development toward integrating them more into the offense. Um, I think that the Bears offense will struggle against the Packer defense. We'll see the secondary improve as far as, uh, you know, passing players off in the zone defense. And I think that the Packers will win this game 24 to 10. 24 to 10. Are we going to do this all year? I had 24, seven, but I was really heavily debating 24, 10. Okay. Great minds. Think alike. Maybe I really like 24, 10. If you had not taken 24, 10, I certainly was thinking about flipping to that. I'll stand pat at 24, seven. We're going to do this all year. Aren't we? We're going to have these super close uh, predictions to each other. So Packers are nine and a half point favorites. The over under is at 44. I'm taking the under as are you. 
And so I'm also giving the points to the Packers. So yeah, so, we're we're giving the points and uh we're we're going with the favorites. The Packers should cover and should win. Uh so we are gonna be tied after this week, regardless of the outcome. We but, are we are. But, should we add should we add uh just a, a third category that is just a tiebreaker if if we need to uh give an extra point to a guy uh for being closer? Do do we want to do that? Or just uh, just follow the rules we had set up. With follow the two. let's let's stick to this, and if we if it really doesn't help us down the line, line we'll figure something out. All right. If anybody if anybody listening uh, is thinking to yourself that you have a a clear and obvious better solution for our points game, uh, so we can pick winner and loser, send in your thoughts to us. Uh, we have a a, a text line two three one seven one four four one nine five. We also have email, asknohuddle at gmail.com. For now, I think that's going to do it. Uh, Gil, you feeling excited about this game? Or uh, I, I will tell you, I'm a little apprehensive for just one reason only. And that is that this is a must-win game. It is. Next week, we have Tampa. And I'm not saying right now, today, that I think we lose to Tampa. But if we lose to the Bears... That certainly doesn't make you feel good about the Tampa game. And then you're looking at starting the season 0-3, and, and that is panic time. So yeah, no. especially with how bad the Bears are, this is clearly a must-win game. This is a home game. You don't want to start the season 0-2 in the division. You don't want to lose a home game in the division. And you got Tampa Bay on the road coming up next week. Yeah, this is a must-win game. And, you know... You win this game convincingly and last week's debacle becomes like put into the category that it was last year where week yeah. one, they were terrible. They bounce back. You lose week two and all of a sudden, boy, the doubts start creeping in about this team. Right. So, uh, you know, in my mind, this is a must win game. You're at home. You're on national TV. You could shut up the doubters and and really reestablish yourself as the class of the NFC North. And uh, I think they'll get that done. Uh, oh, Gil. So the uh, injury report out right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bakhtiari did not practice. Jenkins limited. Anything else interesting on here? Lazard is practicing. Quay Walker full participant, as was Keyshawn Nixon. So those are positive developments. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, you know, Bakhtiari Jenkins, it doesn't sound good there. I, I would expect we're not going to have any of these guys back. Uh, I, I will say one, one last thing, uh, for this game that I really want to see is better tackling. Uh, one of the things that I came on here a year ago after the saints loss and said on the following podcast was, you know, everybody's freaking out about the defense, but I saw some things defensively that made me excited and it starts with fantastic tackling across the board. Um, and I didn't see that against the Vikings. The, the tackling looked a little suspect to me all day. And as I always say, a good defense is a good tackling defense. So they have to get that cleaned up and get back to the f uh, fantastic tackling that they had last season. I think that was one of the only things that made them uh, really special across the course of the whole season, especially with how much time. You know, a lot of their uh, marquee defensive players missed. So, all right, that's going to do it. We're going to get out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. 
Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not